Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. You're you. Today is a solo cast. Hope you're all doing well out there. I am coming at you from snowy Denver, where it's uh, snowed quite a bit over the last couple days. And Sunday was like, it felt like it was like 95 degrees, summer of love, people in the park roller skating, taking 300 mics of acid, getting naked, making out with each other. It was a beautiful day. Um, yeah. So we need more public orgies in this world. And I think, really think the world will be a better place if, you know, we just allowed nudity and public sex and maybe defecation. <laughs> we let dogs do it and we pick up after them. We could do it, pick up after ourselves. <laughs> Well, uh, good to be here with you all, or y'all, as I've been saying more and more, because I could really, you know, y'all isn't a distinctly Southern expression, but I think it gets categorized as that. Most people hear people say y'all, and if they imitate them, they'll say, you know, like, y'all. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? But it doesn't have to be that way because it's actually the perfect way to address everyone. You all. It's actually one thing that I could, that I could get down with that, I, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I used to say, you guys, just for everyone, for everything. But I, I like things that make sense, and this makes sense. You just say y'all, and that just means you all. Perfect. We don't have to, that doesn't have to be any more than that. I think I had an old joke around something like that once. Uh, I kind of forget what it was. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. My friend Mookie Thompson, comedian based out of Brooklyn, uh, past podcast guest as well hit me up like a couple weeks ago like dude I'm freaking out man I'm watching Mark Norman's stand up special on Netflix and he's, he's totally doing one of your old jokes <laughs> and uh, and we yeah I watched it and I was like oh yeah wow that, that does look similar I had a similar joke and uh, I have Mark's number so I texted him and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm coming for you with my team of high-priced lawyers. Um, just kidding. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was kind of cool. I, as many of you know, I used to do stand-up comedy. Uh, I started off doing open mics. I quickly moved up to getting some check spots, which are notoriously known as like the worst spot. Nobody wants it, so they give it to the up-and-coming comedians. And it's the spot where they drop the, the checks off at the table. They give them the bills and everybody freaks out because it's, you know, four times more than they thought it was. $16.95 for chicken tenders. Uh, so I'd be on stage trying to do my jokes that I've been practicing and writing and doing at open mic shows and bar shows. 
So that was pretty much my life for about three years, just doing uh, shows in New York City, open mics, bar shows, check spots, a couple, couple other spots here and there that, that opened up when, when uh, you know, when it was available. The best was uh, filling in for people. So if you were like hanging out at a club and I don't know, someone couldn't make it or something got changed in the show or the show was going longer, people are staying, I don't know, something happened. Maybe once in a while, someone would be like, hey, do you want to do five? You know, do five minutes. But those were good times. I look back fondly at those times. And, you know, after deciding to not pursue stand up comedy anymore, I definitely had. Um, I definitely still had like a lingering thirst to get back on the stage. I really enjoy the, the environment. I really enjoy the environment of holding court, as you could tell with these podcasts. I'm doing something that's enjoyable for me, and then other people are also enjoying it as well, and it's a win-win. We're having a great time. You know, you want to be entertained and I want to entertain you. What's better than that? Uh, you know, and so th that, was a, that was a fun time. And it was pretty funny to get that message from Mookie. He was pretty hilarious about it. Um, we used to do shows together a lot. Now he goes on tour with the Lucas Brothers a lot. Uh, Nimesh Patel opens for those guys and uh, I believe has a cartoon series out on Comedy Central, I think. But I was, I was looking through my notes the other day. I had a lot of good premises for jokes. The thing was that I remember one of my struggles was that all my jokes were pretty basic setup punchline, pretty basic like surprise twist, comparison, observation, a lot of drug, sex jokes, a lot of jokes that like you would, things that you would tell when you were like 27 years old. And, uh, so, so that was a, that was a fun time. And, you know, I, I, I was pretty flattered, honestly, that, uh, Mark, no Mark Normand has a, a similar joke because great minds think alike as, uh, as he said, and, um, it, it feels good. And there, there's some, like, I'm, de I definitely have some kind of like, uh, giddy, like secret, like. Uh, joy about it. it like it kind of feels like oh cool like a really funny comedian who's like friends with joe rogan and has all these comedy central specials told a similar joke to mine wow that's that's pretty cool i remember that happened once before too uh with john mulaney i told a joke uh about how back to the future is one of my favorite movies and i used to watch it all the time as a kid growing up but I never realized how weird it was that a disgraced scientist, old man who's 75 years old, Doc Brown, is just hanging out, casually friends with like a 15-year-old high school kid who skateboards, and they conduct wacky science experiments, which is the basis for Rick and Morty. So obviously, I wasn't the only person that thought that that was a hilarious premise. Justin Roiland thought it was, but I remember I did a joke like that on stage and I, you know, shaped it into a joke form 
And then someone came up to me after and said, hey, I saw uh, John Mulaney at UCB a couple nights ago, and he's got a joke just like that. And I'm like, ah, shit. Well, he's John Mulaney. He's, you know, he's probably going to use that in his act and stuff, so I can't keep doing it. Uh, so I just you know, have to think of other stuff. There were so many funny comedians, too. During that time, I was doing comedy, like, uh, what was it, 2013, 2012, 2013 to about 2016 it was just like so it was so fun it was such a fun scene um you know there were a lot of shitty aspects as well but for the most part i remember there's a lot of um i remember being around a lot of comedians who were like five six seven years ahead of me and where they were doing a lot of club spots and i was doing check spots and I remember like hilarious situations would happen which would be like nightmares for them because they're trying to get spots in so they could get to, you know, do a Conan or they could, you know, submit a packet for television, whatever the fuck they were doing. Uh, but they're like really taking it seriously as a job. And for me, it was just super exciting to be there and to be like, oh, sweet. I'm on a show with these awesome comedians. And there's like, yeah, there's some crazy shit going down with the crowd or the wait staff or the, you know, whatever the circumstances were, you know, there's like a hole in the roof and people are falling through or something but uh but it was it was it was fun i remember just you know just being like oh wow this is this is exciting and then they you know obviously it would be kind of shitty to them most comedians i met weren't like happy go lucky type people they were definitely interesting people funny as hell people but a lot of them you know, they're not like they're not like these super exuberant, joyful, jovial uh, people. That's more I guess, the, you would you would probably pursue being a clown or something if that was if you were just constantly like, I'm just the happiest person alive. I just isn't life great. I am just so happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'd probably be at the circus. But but yeah, a lot of comedians um, just uh, Mark Norman is a good example, actually. Mark Norman is a good example of uh, a really, like, he, I get the feeling from him that, that I got from so many other comedians that I hung out with that were, that he's friends with and that I had the privilege to be around and that I sort of considered myself within a similar kind of, like, uh, constitution, which is that they have to do it. These are insane people. These people are in t Tim Dillon, Mark Norman, Joe List, uh, Luis J. Gomez. These people are insane. Another hilarious dude is uh, uh, Nick Mullen as well. I, I didn't really get to t hang out with him or perform with him, but he's he's one of the, I consider him to be like one of the funniest people. Uh, but there there's there's something in in the mind that needs to express itself in a particular kind of way. And it's really difficult to describe what that is. But I'm going to try a little bit. Because I, I believe that... I, well, I, I, I believe that comedy is sacred and important. Uh, and comedy is a part of healing, right? They say laughter is the best medicine. Where did that come from? So, you know, it's most cliche things are true, right? I would say all of them are. Um, 
but I'm going to talk about why comedy is important, why it's significant, why I take humor seriously, among other things. And, uh, and I will also uh, mention, because I think I cut myself off before, uh, about the, the difficulty I had doing the comedy I was doing, which was a lot of like dick fart drug jokes, party jokes and stuff like that transitioning to like what I was actually really obsessed about at the time. You know, I was going home every night watching Alan Watts talks, listening to Terrence McKenna lectures, reading Joseph Campbell and um, Robert Anton Wilson, listening to a lot of Ram Dass lectures, like meditating, doing breath. Like I was really getting interested in psychedelics and like sitting uh with myself uh you know five dried grams in silent darkness as mckenna said so i was i was really journeying in that direction i was opening up my mind i was exploring i was reading i was researching i was experimenting but i couldn't seem to sort of like bring those jokes on stage now that i think about it it might have been a detriment to me that i got those check spots so early because i wound up trying to tailor my jokes to make that crowd laugh, that club crowd of like angry people who are getting their checks but enjoyed a good show of funny comedians at a club in Times Square. So I was like tailoring my act more towards that. And I probably would have had more room to explore and get weird and tell more of the jokes that I wanted to tell and figure out how to do that had I just stayed more in the open mic lower level bar room show realm for a longer period of time uh, because I found it really difficult. I was telling these jokes on stage, but it, I didn't really care about that. Like, I didn't want to talk about that anymore. I wanted to figure out a way. And, you know, Dave Smith, my, my former uh, partner in crime at Part of the Problem podcast comedian, I would watch him go up on stage and tell jokes about wars, financial, uh, collapse like economic collapse like all this stuff like political and economic humor so he's got a special called libertas i, I remember when he released it I, I went to the taping uh i remember sitting next to sal volcano from uh, impractical jokers those guys are hilarious those guys are hilarious it seems when i first saw the show i thought it was kind of cheesy and corny but it's really fun and funny. And these guys are like best friends. They're having the time of their lives. Like what a dream to just prank each other and people and be able to do that. True TV and practical jokers. But Dave, Dave Smith's uh, stand-up special, Libertas, it's brilliant, man. Like it's, it's brilliant. You know, like Dave is not really like a gut-busting laughter type of comedian. He's a really smart guy with a, with a keen eye for observations, analogies, metaphors, for understanding things and then making those things understandable to everybody else. Like that, that is his strength. He's like a, a digestive uh, and like, a, like a, a distiller. And, he's, and he has, you know, he, he's humorous. I would say he's humorous. He's funny, uh, but not like gut busting laughter kind of funny. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he's a smart guy. The thing is his mind, the way his mind works, it still works in the comedian sense. I even though he's not using it all for gut busting laughter, he's using it for 
uh, a lot of like things that he's making waves with in the political arena and with his podcast and everything. So that's the, the, the keen observation that there's like some kind of thing, there's some kind of way that I think you're just born with and born with, born into, shaped uh, by, but there's some kind of like natural thing where the, the mind, a comedian's mind, and you don't necessarily have to be a comedian to have this kind of mind is what I'm, what I'm saying. There's other people like Robert Anton Wilson, Alan Watts, like they're both very humorous people because they're very smart. I think you have to be smart to be really funny. And there's just something about the, the way that, that you see the world, the way that you perceive reality that's, that's different than everybody else. And that is a sacred role. You know, Alan Watts used to call himself a stand-up philosopher. But it's a, it is a sacred role, the sacred role of the fool, of the court jester. You know, the court jester was there to keep the king humble because the court jester was allowed to say things to the king that nobody else could say. The joker, right? The joker is wild. And it, it, it dates back to, to the archetype of the trickster. And the, the trickster, a lot of people, there's a common misconception that the trickster is uh, just kind of just a funny person or a funny thing. But what it really means to be a trickster is to be a disruptor. To have fun disrupting to make others realize the thing that you're disrupting actually isn't really that important anyway. In the grand scheme of things. Like, it's important for us to play, the, to play within the borders and boundaries of the finite game. But it's also not that fun if we don't push along those borders and boundaries. Also, it doesn't mean anything if there's only a finite game. The sacred fool, the comedian, the trickster reminds us that we're playing an infinite game. That the point of this game is to just keep the game going. Just keep having fun, keep breathing, keep loving, keep laughing, keep living. And that they shit on all the, the, the finite things every now and then to remind everybody Hey, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what, you're, what practice you're engaged with, what mantra, what technique, what school, whatever you're doing, it, none of it fucking matters. This is, this is all, this entire thing is a fabrication. This entire thing is a creation. We've, we've created it. We've harnessed it. We've channeled it. We've imbued it. We've augmented it, altered it, transmuted it, but we've created it. And the trickster comes along and says, oh, cool, you, you take all this stuff so seriously, you're really attached to all these things, you think you're so special because you created all this stuff? Here, here, here I go, I'm going to shit on everything here, I'm going to disrupt everything, I'm going to destroy everything, because we need the process of renewal. We need to be 
taken down a peg. We need to be humbled before the great mystery. And that is something that the, the trickster lives with. It, it, the trickster understands the great mystery. It understands the, the paradoxical nature of, of being. And so the, the trickster comes along to, to refresh and renew. Because without the refreshing and the renewal, if you don't have somebody, Alan Watts used to say, that, Alan Watts says this in one of his talks, I forget. He says, a, a society that does not let the outsider in is one that's insane. And that we're living in an insane society. And societies that live in accordance to that rule of accepting the outsider as somebody who is of, or he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, I guess, of the, the tribe, of the society, of the community, but not in it. Or, or maybe is it in it, not of it? I forget. It's one of those things. But the point that he makes is that a, a sane society has allowed for room and space and acceptance of the man on the hill who lives just outside of the town who can come to the town every once in a while and shed new light on things because he sees things in a different way because he's not living in it. He's not swimming in the water so he can see the water. He can see that it's water, right? Like the David Foster Wallace little uh, parable of the fish, I guess, where the two young fish swim by an older fish and the older fish says, hey boys, how's the water today? And then they swim past a little bit, and one of the younger fishes looks at the other younger fish and says, what the hell is water? They, they're young. They're, they're, they, don't, they don't know. They, this is all they've known is this world. They don't know that there's anything outside of it. Excuse me. So uh, uh, a sane society, just like a... Uh, a, fun, a well-functioning tribe has usually like the village elders, the shaman, the medicine people that are part of the tribe, part of the society, but they, they, they run according to their own programming. They're not as tucked in and proper. They're not uh, expected to be at all the formal... Uh, activities and events and arrangements they're 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 sort of wild and sort of unpredictable but they they possess something very valuable they care about the the place and their people and the people also in turn care about them they let them exist how they want to exist and do what they want to do and provide space for that because they value the information that the outsiders can come in with an outside eye with a a, a a child's like mind, so it's you know, in one way of like looking at things from a new perspective, not being tied down to the the daily dramas of uh, living within the finite structures and and the rules and regulations and everything. So it's a it's a tremendously important role. It's a tremendously important act to of service. And when we don't have that, we have societies that go insane. That live in a way that isn't in accordance with the human body, with nature, with the human spirit, with the soul, 
that we try and fit ourselves into uh, this sort of mechanistic world that we're building, that we've built. But we need those outsiders to come in and say, hey, uh, you guys might not be seeing this, but I'm seeing this. And if they could do it in a funny way, great. You know, I mean, the Joker, right? The Dark Knight. The Joker tries to make Batman realize, like, hey, this is all bullshit. But he goes about it in a, a he he breaks the the he shatters the line and he crosses the line, which is he hurts people. So all this is well and good as long as you're not hurting people. You're not infringing upon their spaces and their rights and their freedoms, and you're not you know, causing them any damage or destruction or injury. Then, yeah, have fun. You know, we're here to have fun. That's why we're here. And a lot of us feel, myself included, that we, we don't really have, the, our societies aren't organized in, the, in that way. We're, we're very, everything's very serious, regimented, and like bills, and taxes, and contracts, and work, and productivity. It's like, yeah, like, sure, some of this... This stuff is important, but I think the lesson here and what the, the trickster, the comedian, the sacred fool, the jester, the joker can do is help relieve us of the tension that we feel that we need to comply with this regimented, rigid, ordered structure that doesn't, we all know, doesn't feel good. Doesn't, it's like not normal to have, you know, to be like worried and anxious and you can't sleep and, diseases and depression, like all this stuff. I mean, we know that. And that's why we're, a lot of people are venturing into the space of, of healing and helping people in alternative ways that are now becoming more mainstream, like psychedelics. Yeah, so I don't know. That's my, my, my little intro piece, I guess. I wasn't really planning on talking about any of that stuff. It just kind of came up. Um. But, yeah, I think that uh, it's important to, to, to cover it. It's, it's kind of boring, really, I think, a little bit in, in some way to talk about it because there's an intangible, like, mystique with humor, with comedy. With, with, it's, it's, when, the more that you talk about it, you don't want to be thinking about it like a, in a formulaic way or, or any of these kinds of ways. You just want to be experiencing it and expressing it. And, and comedy is all about timing, right? I think that like, that's the other thing about comedians is that they're not trying to be funny all the time because they know that, that, it's, that it's just ridiculous. Most of them just are funny naturally, but they're also just serious, regular human, not like serious, but they're, they're regular human beings. And if there's an opportunity where it, there's not the, the timing isn't there to like be funny or make something funny, then it's just not that they're not going to force it. Because if you force it, then you bomb because you 
tried to push something forward into time that wasn't ready to be at that place in time. So timing. You know, the timing of everything. So everybody, everybody has that natural ability. But it's also a perception. It's just get, when we get out of our heads, all the stories that we've accumulated through over the years about who we are or what kind of person we are or like what other people think of us or where we're going to live and what we're going to do and what we're going to have and what we're going to be and what, you know, where we're going to go and just all the built up stuff and the trauma and the, you know, somatic uh, uh, trauma, the, the body based like en- points of energy and stuckness that manifest in physical pain and dis-ease. The, the person whose mind works like a comedian, like a sacred fool, like a trickster joker type jester, I'm just going to name them all every time I bring it up. Uh, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be concise. They, they, they know how to sort of like break reality and, and essentially be what, whatever's happening in, the, in, the, in, the, in our journeys and our, in our experiences under, say, five dried grams of, of mushrooms uh, or DMT or wherever we're going, whatever we're engaging with, there's, a, there's, there's often an element of, like, playfulness and jester, joker, clown. Like, there's, there's this silly, like, hey, you think it looks like this? Well, what if we flip it on its head? And it's like this. Now let's break it up into a million pieces and a million fucking mandala fractals that are just going on infinitely spinning with an array of colors and like leprechauns jumping from one to the other in an infinite Alex Gray painting. Like it, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what are they, sh- what's, what are they doing? They're saying, look, look, look at the fabric of reality. Look at how we can manipulate it at will. Look at, look at this. Look at what we can do. Isn't it crazy? Isn't this fun? You can do that too. <laughs> but we have to do it here. We have to work together. You know, could you imagine what a, 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 a trip would be like if like you broke through and, and they, the entities weren't working together? They were like, oh, fucking, there's another guy here. Oh, it's your turn to call, go greet him. I'm on double duty. I worked last night. Oh, you have to greet him. <laughs> like, man, it sucks working at DMT Corp. There's a harmony, there's a unity, there's an organized chaos. You know, that's exactly it, is that the, pol- the polarity, the, the paradox, the organized chaos, the creative destruction, the yin-yang, the push-pull, the resistance, the will, they, they all feed each other. And that is, that is uh, possible to do in this dimension. And people who are able to do that are able to break reality and say, hey, don't look at things this way. Look, just entertain and indulge my perspective for a little bit. And if it makes you laugh, great. That means that you went somewhere. When you're laughing, remember the last time that you were just dying laughing, that you just couldn't breathe because you were laughing so much, because your stomach hurt, because you were laughing so much, you can't, you're losing your, you're out of your mind. Where did you go? 
what happened? Well, there's, you're probably not thinking anything. You're not, no one is dying laughing going, oh my God, that's so funny. I still have to prepare my taxes. Oh my God, that's great. Oh my God. No, you are gone. You're somewhere else. You're in a place where time and space are, just don't exist. Purely in the moment. Purely in the moment. And that's, that's that reminder. The re, that's the reminder of the infinite. This, that's the infinite. That's eternity right there in that moment, right now, right here. Does it feel like I'm yelling at you guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> sometimes, <coughs> sometimes I just get passionate about what I'm talking about. And I, yeah, I, I have this voice. I've been cloaked in a meat suit of a, Italian-American New Yorker who now lives in Colorado, y'all. Colorado, y'all. It's great here. I love it. I love it. One day you can, you know, be frolicking around the park, eating empanadas, watching the birds sing. Next day, two feet of snow. Great. I like I like the change of seasons. It's good. Speaking of changes, um, yeah, I, I've I'm I've been trying to sort of implement some stuff and 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 in my life and in a sort of more business way. Which even just saying that, like I'm I'm going to edit that out. It's just ridiculous. I can't see this is my biggest problem. All the stuff that I was talking to you guys about, about the sacred fool, the comedian, the joker, the jester, it's very difficult for, for me to, to not be that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, I'm not saying I'm the greatest of all, the be- you know, of course, none, nothing like that, but I relate to that way of being. I can't help see the world in a particular way through a particular lens. Um, and I can't help but just think crazy or quote-unquote crazy thoughts 24-7, 365. It's just the nature of things for me. It's just my nature. Well, I was at a party recently and someone was like, wait, you could just like make stuff up like on the spot, like instantly. I was like, yeah, of course. Why you can't? They were like, no. I was like, well, I just do it right now. I'll just tell you everything that's going through my mind. I'm like, all right, right now I'm just picturing kicking a baby across the yard and just over the fence. Now I'm thinking about taking some tacos and just rubbing them on my face. Now I'm thinking about smashing that light that's over there across the room. I don't know. Why am I deciding I want to break things? Maybe I'll just do an Irish jig and get on the counter and start dancing. I just like went on and on and on. And that's just the way that my mind works. And so that's all I'm saying is that I relate to this perspective. So for the things that I'm engaged with now in my life, it's a little weird to be positioning myself as like a professional. (laughs) It's like we need better language. Look, I'm just a guy 
that uh, has been having a really wild experience on Earth. And um, I, can, I can help some people. And that makes me feel good. I feel really, really good when I make people laugh. I feel really, really good when other people make me laugh. I feel really, really good when I get to jam on a djembe in a drum circle. I feel really, really good when I go to an ecstatic dance. I feel really good when I'm at an awesome show and copious amounts of psychedelics. I feel really good when I'm sitting in ceremony. I feel really good when I'm holding space. I feel really good when I'm doing a lot of things that involve community, participation, service, fun, lightness, healing. I feel, I feel really good in those spaces. And I've been doing it for a while now. And also, the fact that I've been doing a podcast and I've worked as a consultant and I've been a social media marketing manager and I've uh, been in the film industry for a little bit, like wrote some screenplays, made a short film. Um, I don't know. Like, I was like almost a professional Texas Hold'em poker player. Well, not really. I had a, a pretty bad sports gambling problem during that time. But I, I've done a lot of shit. And I've seen a lot. And by, by all means, I am not saying this to say that I'm like qualified for anything or anything like that. I just can't help but take notice when I share some of uh, my facilitation um, when I'm in circles, when I'm in groups, when I'm doing men's work, when I'm doing journeys, ceremonies, plant work, uh, when people want to see me for like a one-on-one -on -one thing. Uh, I can't help but like show up and just be there and help. And the fact that it feels good and the fact that I've gotten good feedback from it, it seems kind of foolish to, to stray, like to not accept that really, you know? And I, and for the longest time, that sort of like comedian aspect, because I, I did identify with being a stand up comedian. I identified with being a stand up comedian and a podcaster. For, for a while. And so there was like this, you know, just natural, cynical, judgmental um, shit on it part of me that was just like, what are you kidding me? Like, what am I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do coaching. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to call myself a coach. You know, just looking at the entire, just that's the nature of my way of being is to, the, na the, nature, the nature of my being is to aggressively criticize something. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. It could be the most miraculous thing in the world. My first, my first instinct is to aggressively criticize it. Then I sort of, I sort of go through a long process. Then I, then I try and look at it from like all different, like I probably aggressively criticize make fun and shit on in a humorous way for a solid chunk of time. A solid chunk of time, I'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, oh, microdosing coach? Oh, what? Oh, so you could, oh, yeah, well, I'm a microdosing coach, and I help, I help my team 
perform better so we can crush those spreadsheets at work. And, you know, I'm well adjusted to my day because of psychedelics. So I can, I could function better for my job at Amazon. And, you know, I, like, I, I get it. People that are probably tapped in uh, in this way aren't really working at places like that. But, you know, maybe some of them are, whatever. The, the point is that I would just shit on things like that for a long time, make fun of them, criticize them, have like harsh opinions about it, be, you know, open about it, public about it. And then there's like another phase that comes, which is like, well, I, I, I guess, I guess this is a good entry point for people who aren't familiar in this world. I guess this is like a Trojan horse, foot in the door. I guess this is a good way for for people to, you know, to to like make this more acceptable. Yada yada yada. You see where I'm going? So there's like the acceptance phase and the um silver lining phase. Like, oh, I'm sure there's good in this. And usually I feel like that's where it stops. And then every once in a while it's like, oh no, like like maybe I can, you know, help out in this in this area. You know, I have the experience. I have the the knowledge in in some capacity and the wisdom to to share with that came through my experiences. Um, yeah, what? Let me let me let me see if maybe there's a way that I can help. Now, how can I help you? Because I care a lot, right? Like that's my cynical nature. Is like, all right, what's in it for this person? What are they trying to do here? What value are are they really adding? What are you really getting? What's their scheme? What's their fucking, you know, scam? What, what, what is this fucking hack trying to, trying to milk out of people? Because obviously that shit is rampant as well. You know, the, the narcissism and the, the ego run wild into the, like, you know, the person that drinks ayahuasca once and goes, I'm a shaman and lays with crystals on their forehead and all that, that, that stuff. Of course that happens. That happens everywhere you go. Every aspect of society wherever people are getting together there's always going to be fakers charlatans hacks con artists hustlers people in it for the wrong reasons that kind of stuff but i'm like thinking like okay well if there's a lot of that going on then isn't it like part of my responsibility then to enter into the space as somebody who's actually like who cares you know like it, 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 i I, I probably have said this before, and I know a lot of people have said this too, but it's like the person that like doesn't want to be president is the one that should, you know, because it's like, look, I shouldn't be in, I don't want to lead. I shouldn't be responsible here. Like there's other people more qualified, that kind of stuff. It, it, it harkens back to the, you know, the man who says, he says that he didn't knows nothing is truly the, the wisest man kind of thing. Which is also like a fucking trap that you can get into because you're like, hey, man, I just don't know anything, you know, because by not knowing anything, that means I'm the wisest. And, you know, that's coming from ego and everything. But like truly, you know, it's like how do we really, truly, sincerely say these things without winding up in, in, in camp and, and, and hack and, and uh, ego and pomp and all this, you know, grandstanding and ego inflation and, and stuff. It's like. Look, at the end of the day, to, to, to bring it down to its bare bones, helping people feels good. It does. Helping other people feels good. And if you could help other people and then have fun with those people, 
well, that's great because now we're at a party and that's what this existence should be, a fucking party. And um, yeah, so, so I am going to start seeing people for one-on-one coaching sessions and I, maybe I'll have a coaching session with my coach to, to say, hey, we need some new language around this. What can I, what can I call myself that doesn't sound so, that uh, doesn't make me feel like, I don't know, that I'm, I'm like blandifying myself, that I'm like, you know, just whatever. I just don't like it, okay? Uh, but I'm going to start seeing people for one-on-one sessions. And the first people uh, that I'm, that I'm going to start seeing is everybody who is a Patreon member at the $5 tier and up. Uh, so everybody who's $5 tier Patreon member and up um, will have the opportunity to, if they want, to schedule a one-on-one session with me. And the one-on-one session could be one of two things. I guess we'll call them heart and mind. A heart session is like we're dropping in. We're, we're going to drop into the feelings here. Like we're going to drop into like what's, what's going on in your life. Where do you feel like there is conflict? Where do you feel like there, that there's things that are out of alignment, things that don't serve you? things that you're holding on that you can let go of, old identities, um, traumas, trips that need, that, that need integration, um, pain, disease, anxiety, depression, you know, whatever, whatever is going on with you, if there's something that you're, just, you're not feeling good about and that you need some processing, uh, that's going to be a heart session or a heart jam. And, um, you know, in, in my years of, of holding space and sitting in ceremony, holding ceremonies, facilitating, and, um, now within the last year with the, the men's group work that I'm doing, the masculine alchemy, uh, with sacred sons, uh, I just completed their leadership training program. So Sacred Sons and uh, Tribe of Brothers, which is Bill Burns and myself, our organization here in Denver, we hold weekly councils, day-long events, retreats, uh, journeys, and it's, uh, it's been really fulfilling and really rewarding, and I've grown a lot in the process, and um, so like, it's feeding me and nourishing me and helping me grow. And that makes me really excited. And there's like parts of me that get turned on. Uh, they get switched on. Parts of me that get turned on. Yeah, work with me and we'll, uh, we'll get to making me turned on. That's what, that's what the goal is. No, it's, it's switched on parts of me that come alive in, in these situations where we, we hold counsel and we spiral and we circle and we talk about our emotions and our feelings and our pain and our trauma and our you know, the voices in our head and the inner critic and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that lives inside of us that is not in alignment, that is in a, a, a conflict, that is out of 
sorts that's making us out of sorts. So that's one type of session that, that I'll offer. And then another session that's, that's out there is the Mind Jam. And the Mind Jam is just an opportunity for, for us to just jam on anything, really. You know, so we're not really going to be getting into like your emotional process, your spiritual journey, um, your, your healing work and your integration and stuff. Uh, but we're going to be getting into just like thoughts and ideas. And, you know, if you get like, uh, I'm just a great person to bounce ideas off of and have been that sort of person at a lot of companies that I worked for in the past where I was like the, the sort of idea bouncer. Um, creative director and, and things of that nature. So yeah, I mean, if there's, that, that's another part of the offering is like, pick my brain. Let's just like, let's talk about some far out shit, some concepts. Like, I don't know if there's like a particular project that you're working on or like that you, whatever, whatever that is, that's available too. Uh, so yeah, you got you got the the heart and mind right there, one on one sessions. So those will go out to everybody uh, who's a Patreon member for the five dollar tier and up. Then I also want to do some group stuff, and I'm thinking about doing like the the mind jams that I was doing, which were pretty fun. But now I know why I haven't activated them again because I want it to be a f- total comprehensive experience. Uh, heart, mind, body, soul jam. Like, again, we need better words for these things. So I don't know really what I'm going to call it as of now. I feel like it'll just be like jam, psychedelic jam session. But that I'm going to do every Monday evening, maybe. Or the, date, the, the day will change. I'm fucking sitting here just thinking of the day right now. I'm like, oh, what would be a good day? Uh. It'll be a day of the week, and it'll be, I don't know, maybe, maybe an hour or two, uh, depending. We'll, we'll try out some stuff. But it'll be everybody that listens to the show that wants to join, everybody who's a $5 Patreon member. I forgot what I labeled that tier, like Astral Love or something. I don't know. But like everybody who's a $5 tier and up will, will get access to that. And then everybody else that wants to join as like a one-off, there'll be like a, like a ticket price or something. But um, yeah, we'll do, we'll, do, we'll do it virtually. And um, yeah, probably like cap it at like maybe 30 people. So, that, uh, so, that it, so if you're not familiar, the idea basically is that we sort of like open process on shit and we split up into groups and then we like pitch our processing. Um, and it's great because I keep it light as well. And it's, it's an opportunity. It's sort of like um, an opportunity. I don't know. What was I going to say? Like a, a, a think tank. It's almost like a think tank. Uh, but more, we're doing more than just thinking. You know, we're thinking, we're feeling, um, we're observing, we're aware. And so it's kind of just like a meeting of the minds. And then we like break up into teams and everybody gets to riff on something like one I did at CSU and Fort Collins was, um, uh, it was like a lot about like the war on drugs. And so like, we talked about that, we riffed on that, we jammed on that. 
And then I split everybody up into groups. And then they each had like a part that they talked about and discussed. And then we opened it up. And then we had like sort of like a, you know, a jam session with, with that. And the, the whole, the reason why I called a jam session is because we're, we're, we're using ideas, language, feelings, words uh, to, to play with each other. Like a band would play like, Hey, what do you think about this note? Or, Oh, okay. That's a pretty cool riff he's got going on there. Let me see if I could kind of add to that. You know, so we're building, we're sort of waxing philosophical, if you will. So that'll, that'll be happening as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll announce that when that, when that happens, I'm off Instagram, like totally. I only check Instagram once a day around this time, actually, uh, to see if I have any DMs. And that's it. And it's been great. It's been absolutely great. It's been a long time coming, but I think that the final piece for this particular stage of my life is eliminating distraction. I have not I have not even been aware of how distracted I actually was until I started to track it and I started to notice, oh shit, I'm pulling my phone out right now. Why am I pulling my phone out if I'm engaged in another activity? There's no reason for me to be pulling my phone out right now. So I, I track that. I track that with Instagram, I, tra- I tracked it with everything, and I decided to go completely like digital minimalism. I installed a lot of things on my computer and phone. Uh, just, I just really decluttered and uh, set time blocks out. I started working in this method called the Pomodoro method, which is like intense, deep focus, no distractions, work on one task for an hour, and then take a break, and then go back and do it like for another hour. I think I've been taking 10 minute breaks. But this has been super helpful. You know, it's just, it's one of the things I, I really love about Douglas Rushkoff, his podcast, Team Human, his book, Team Human, uh, throwing rocks at the Google bus program or be programmed. Like he, his main thesis message is like, we were Team Human. We, we have to serve humanity first and not serve the, the technological innovative world. We don't want to work for the machines. We want the machines to work for us. We want the machines to service us in a way that liberates us to live our best human existence. If we could use technology to facilitate the, the, the full tot- total nourishment of the human soul, boom, that's a win. So, so I am very much on board with that. And I realized that I wasn't really doing that in my life because a lot of the reaching of the phone and the going on social media and the YouTube and all that stuff, there's two things there. There's one that is, it was a complete unconscious, automatic, conditioned habit. Like I would just reach into my pocket and I would take out my phone and I didn't even realize like, where did I go and what did I even do until I was looking at my phone? It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Why am I doing that? 
So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the other aspect of the, the content that I was consuming a lot of was good, for lack of a better word, you know, like uh, stuff about Zen, you know, Alan Watts, Joseph Campbell Foundation, uh, Russell Brand, like th- this thing, that thing, like uh, meditation stuff or things about psychedelics or sociopolitical things, philosophy, psychology. Like it, it was good information, I would say. But, you know, there's a difference between like reading a book or an article and passively consuming the kind of content that you would get in books and articles on, you know, Instagram, YouTube, and other places like that. So I'm like, okay, well... And, and, and there, was, there's, there was no regimentation. It was just all the time, anytime, all the time. There was no like, this is a time when I don't have my phone. This is a time when I don't go on social media. Like I didn't have any of that. So now I've implemented a lot of that stuff. I mean, I'd love to share more about that with you guys, but I think I'm going to keep this, this podcast under, <laughs> I was going to say under an hour and I'm looking, it's 57 minutes. Maybe under an hour, we'll see what I have left to say. But anyway, the, I, I totally re, like revamped everything in my life so that I could produce better work, that I could do better work, that I could really focus on the things that really matter and get rid of the distractions. So I'm really all in on this realm of uh, masculine alchemy. It's really, it really feels like home for me. Feels good to look at a bunch of other men and call them brothers and really like, really mean that, like really mean like, yo, you're my, you're my dog. Like you're my brother. You're my, my homie. Like you're, you're in, you're in the shit with me. Like it's, it, it's kind of like signing up for like the military, but instead of going to war or instead of invading other people's lands and killing them because they have resources, uh, instead of doing that and bonding in that way, <laughs> there's other ways to build bonds. Like the show uh, Band of Brothers was about these guys that really cared for each other that happen to be, you know, in a platoon of uh, army cadets or whatever in World War II. I mean, it's a her- war is a horrendous thing. Horrendous. If we're smart, we can avoid it. If we're sane, we can avoid it. Or we could create alternatives. But being a part of Sacred Sons being a part of the, the, the group that I've helped create here in Denver, there is a sense of bonding. Like we're going to like, we're going to spiritual warfare. We're going on a mission to retrieve shadows and, and, and activate archetypes and, and activate our gifts and our powers and like come into wholeness and truth and acceptance and lean on each other for cooperation with compassion and curiosity and calling each other in and up, not out and at. It's like, 
it's a totally different ball game when you're doing that. It's like this is this is really special. This is a really special thing. And I've felt really uh, privileged, honored, grateful to be a part of it and to be pretty good at it, I guess, you know, to, 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 to offer something of value really is what, I, what I'm saying here. You know, it's so hard for me. It's so difficult for me to, to step into this role and be like, I offer something of value, I'm good at it, and I, and I genuinely want to actually help people. Um, because, well, I guess, I guess I kind of know why it's kind of like, why does Fox news or maybe Fox news, not anymore, but let's just say like Fox news and it's prime. Like why was Fox news such like a big hit? It's because they were, they were fucking sensational and they, they used like, they, they tapped into like psychology and they were like, Oh, if we use these bright colors and these graphics and these shiny things. And if we put the words on the screen and like captions as he's reading them, then, then it's going to be double reinforced in people's heads and the music and the tones and the sets and the suits and the make, you know, like it's a fucking production and people had never really seen news being delivered like that before. So they're like, oh, wow, that's great. But like some guy in his basement that's like, hey, uh, I'm not the news, but like I happen to like do a lot of research and like check in on things that like the mainstream corporate press is saying. And, you know, they're not really quite accurate on a lot of things, guys. And I want to share that with you guys. It's like it's a little bit harder for that guy to like have the credibility and the recognition. Uh, you know, there's something psychologically in our brain where we see like the the nice branded website and the tritone color brand logo and the gradient and like the 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 perfect pictures on Instagram and the hair and the outfits and like the accoutrement all the you know the the accessories and everything looks the part it just it all looks oh yeah that looks cuz we feel like safe and trusted that's why doc, the, you know the in the in the what was it the milgram experiments where the the uh, obedience to authority. It's the guy was wearing a white lab coat and they just obeyed him because he's the authority, right? That's, it's why in DC, all the buildings are built the way they are. Any, any city that has government buildings are always like these grand sort of Greek column styled white, big built, like, you know, there's a certain kind of aesthetic that elicits like, oh, this must be important, you know? Um, and it's, and it's, it's a lot harder to just, I remember actually my, uh, Dave Smith used to say this, he'd be like, you know, there's, there's something about religion where they have to get the, the choir and the, the, the painted glass and the cathedral and the whole thing and the, the organs and, you know, the standing, the sitting, the kneeling, the whole ritual and the songs and the hymns and like all the way it looks and the smells. He's like, it would be a lot more difficult if you just like had a guy in like a, a room and like a like a gymnasium with a couple of like fold out chairs and it was like, hey, just like let's just meet here and we'll just pray and talk about God. <laughs> you know, so uh it's hard for me to like embrace sort of like a dazzly sort of aspect that catches people's attention 
about myself. I know how to do it for other people because it's not me. But if I'm promoting myself as like a coach or uh, a, someone who runs men's uh, groups, facilitation work, uh, holds space and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to sort of like package something there. Like even the thought of it is like, ugh, like I don't even, I don't even want to think about it that way. Uh, I just want to be a guy that helps people. Um, and it would be, I would fucking do it for free. Like, a, a, like, of course I would do it for free. But then I I would have to live with you then. <laughs> like I'd have to I'd have to bounce around uh to different clients' homes because I'd be homeless. I wouldn't be able to to pay for anything. So that was another huge hang up is like the money story, right? Like being a really big believer in Charles Eisenstein's gift economy that he talks about in sacred economics and just realizing, like, yeah, like being a part of a small tribe and just offering your gifts in it's just a way to be and you don't have to worry about anything because the tribe takes care of you because they know that you're just a good person who has something to offer and everybody is a good person that has something to offer but those things that they have to offer just aren't recognized or or valued in our in our society like it's not really valued if you're like a good cook that cooks every once in a while it's like okay well are you making money from it? Are you a chef? Like, do you work in a restaurant? No, I just, I'm a good cook and I, and I like to cook and I love, I love to share my cooking with people. It's like, there's no real, you know, so, so, so the, the, the whole idea of money is, is just insane to me. Uh, but when we live in the world that we live in, it's a necessity. There's no way out of it. The financial, the financial machine is in charge. You know, was it Mayor Rothschild that said, I care not about a country's army, give them, give me access to their currency and, and we will have them or something like that. Like, I mean, it's just, it's true. There's, there's no, there's no escaping the, the financial juggernaut that has us all tied down. Uh, but maybe we could figure out a way out of it. I think we can if we work together and a lot of people will say crypto and this and that and like, yeah, maybe, maybe something that we have never thought of, right? Like we have no idea, the unknown unknown. But anyway, this, this is my way of bringing you a podcast that is uh, like also announcing new services that I'm offering. And, and I, and sincerely, really, I, I, I discuss this in openness and transparency and vulnerability because this is who I am. I, I can't, anything else would be, um, what would it be? It, it just, I guess it wouldn't feel good to really boil it down to, to bare simple terms. Like it doesn't feel good to not fully be me. So I, I tend to show up fully me all the time. And uh that's just the that's just the only way that I can reconcile uh existence. 
is to, to live it truly as me. And uh, I tell you, getting off of uh, social media and news and all kinds of other stuff out there has also released me from like an unconscious comparison judgment thing going on uh, deep down. I feel so much more liberated in my own self now, which is great. Because there's just there's nothing better than being all the infinitesimally unique ways that that is you. Like it's just there's so many specific things about each of us that that give life to that true sense of authenticity and uniqueness. Oh wow, that's that's Brian. Whoa, that is totally Kelly. That is so Kelly. That is so Brian. That is so Dave. That is so Jenna. Oh my God. Like these people are so themselves. And, you know, there's just, there's, we're, we're, we got to, we got an open canvas here and everybody's got a unique color. We can all, we can all contribute to this masterpiece we call life, this reality. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And, uh, there's a lot of unwinding of the uh, or un the layers that we have to go through in this day and age is a lot to unravel to yourself because of the world we live in, the conditions, and how hard it is to escape the the fear paradigm, the attention paradigm. The, the, the economy of like always connected and plugged in and it's uh, not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's insane. Every once in a while, some crazy shit happens and we're like, oh, fuck, that was a massive disaster. Well, I guess that's just going to like change the course of civilization. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is that we can, we can, we can help, uh, Maybe we can help play some some awesome music on the Titanic as it sinks, you know, or maybe we maybe maybe we can get into a, a boat and a big boat and get a bunch of people in and charter a new course. That, that's possible too. I think it's all possible. What else do I want to announce? I'm trying to think. Coaching, one-on-one sessions, free for Patreon members, $5 tier and up. Uh, one complimentary one-hour session with me, either a heart jam or a mind jam, your choice. And I got an awesome group uh, journey coming up. We are going to launch uh, a masculine alchemy journey, an embodied, activated expression uh, through the course of several weeks. We're still ironing it out. Should be about an 11-week journey, virtual and in-person. In the middle, though, there will be an in-person retreat experience, and I'm really, really excited for this. It's going to be, it's going to be epic. And uh, a good opportunity, so good opportunity for, for healing, for bonding, for community, uh, and for activating your, your gifts and um, 
that will be coming up soon. I'll announce that. But anyway, since I'm not on social media uh, anymore, I uh, the, the best way to, I guess, find out about things would be for me to email you. Now, I hate email. I can't tell. I hate email so much. I I just I I don't even. I can't even tell you how much I, I just, I hate it. I think it sucks. I, I just had to, I just, you know, I, I, I just give my email out and, and stuff and I get all kinds of things because I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't, I don't use email. I'm not on email all day. Never have been, never will be. So, but anyway, as I started to declutter and digitally minimize, I realized that maybe I would feel better if I deleted all these old emails that are just sitting in my, in my inbox. So I did. I, I, I think I had like 20,000 emails across like four accounts or something. But I got rid of it all uh, and kept all the current things. And, um, but anyway, I have an email list. Uh, I have a Substack newsletter, but I don't do anything with it. <laughs> if you've listened to this show, long-time listeners of the show know, I have, do I send emails? No. I don't because I fucking hate people that send emails. Like I like an email every once in a while, like Eric Davis or Charles Eisenstein. Every once in a while, I get an email like, hey, new essay. Check it out. Great. I really can't stand these people that you give them your email address and they're like, hey, thanks for being on the email list. And then the second email is like, hey, check this new podcast out. And then like a day later, it's like, Check out this new blog article. And then a day later, like, hey, we got a new YouTube video. And then it's like another email, like, hey, have you thought about attending this course or whatever the fuck? It's just way too many emails. So since I'm off social media and everything, I would say the best way for us to stay in contact would be through email. Uh, And I'm not really going to email you unless there's something that I am going to tell you about something. And usually that happens maybe like twice a month. So yeah, maybe like twice a month. And uh, yeah, I think that there's a link to my Substack in Linktree. I guess you could sign up there. Uh, you could shoot me an email on my website, on the contact form. Uh, yeah, this is how little like give a shit about email i'm like i don't have a people have like pop-up things like sign up for my thing for my email like i i fucking hate email but it's just i guess that'd be a good way to like stay up to date about things that i'm offering and things that are going on having said that if you go to my website mikebrank.com there's a link there for coaching and men's work as well by the way coaching is open for everybody and um yeah it's all, it's for y'all. So there's that. And then the men's group experiences uh, are, are something separate. Uh, also can be people in the group experiences can do one-on-one coaching. And I think that's something that we're going to offer is that if you sign up for the uh, 11 week journey that we're creating, that uh, part of, um, Part of that package will be one-on-one sessions with myself or, or Bill. So 
That is all I have for now. Thank you for listening to me talk, and I appreciate you listening. I'm also interested in hearing you talk. So hit me up, uh, contact me, mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. Uh, I'm probably going to be switching over to a Proton email. I have it already. I just haven't been promoting it because I, I need to get in the habit of checking it. I don't have any notifications turned on. So that's, that's another thing. Yeah, if you hit me up, uh, and for whatever reason, if you do hit me up on like Instagram DMs or wherever you hit me up, just... Just know that I'm not on there, so it takes me a little bit to get back. But if you hit me up on email, I should get back to you pretty quickly um, and do that. And if you just schedule something on Calendly uh, on my website or in my link tree, then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set up a sesh. I'll send you a Zoom, and we'll, uh, we'll rap, freestyle rap together for an hour. All right. I am a professional person. You are also professional people. We are living a very serious existence, and don't you forget it. All right, until next time. Bye.